Well, it's another gorgeous Friday afternoon here in Boston where I am, and that means it's time for another Agile Marketing Podcast. Roland, how are things? I'm great. And back in the United States, which is wonderful. Today, we were going to talk about uncertainty. Ah, yes. Uncertainty. That is the uncertainty that comes when you're trying to use Agile in a larger organization. Today, we've got another big company guy, Rob Corbin, who's in digital marketing at EMC. I'm going to leave the Death Star jokes aside for a few minutes, and we'll ring up Rob. <laughs> Rob, you're there. Hey, how's it going? Great. Well, welcome to the podcast today. Rob and I were on a panel three weeks ago. Yeah. I'm losing track of time, how time flies when you're having fun. I was unaware that Rob was practicing Agile while we were doing the conversation. We actually had two of our recent guests on the podcast, Andy Kling of Havas Edge and Richard Delahaye of Barracuda. So third out of the five people on the panel, I think the other guy from Hasbro, I'm going to definitely reach out to him because he was also practicing Agile and we didn't. I didn't know that ahead of time. So... We're looking forward to an exciting conversation. We had, a couple of years ago, David Quinn from EMC on, who's done a lot of talking in the industry and spoke at the meetup circuit talking about Agile. And during my um, promotion from AAA to EMC and then back down to AAA that I did in the summer of 2014 after my company was acquired by EMC, I had a few walks walks through the First Order headquarters and then uh, I left and landed here at Tesora. Anyways, enough of my jokes about EMC aside. I'll, I'll, we'll have a few of those as we move along into the conversation. We were going to talk today about uncertainty. That is the uncertainty that comes from using Agile in organiza- big organizations where waterfall is usually king. The stock market, the, the public markets, your owners or your company don't like uncertainty. And that kind of cascades its way down into the organization. But let's start talking about Agile and maybe as a, as a technique for us to manage some of that uncertainty. How about Agile, Rob? How did you first get going with Agile? My background is software development world. Uh, and at some level, you know, I started when I started out, I was I was a consultant and then, you know, did the business school thing and then um, then did so, it was like a product manager at a software development company. So I was very comfortable with a lot of the agile concepts by the time I had joined EMC. And, you know, it was interesting when I joined EMC, I, by that point, because I had developed this comfort when I encountered the the way the IT group was working at and operating at that point five years ago, it was very waterfall-oriented and it was jarring. It was, it was worrisome, too, because I just felt like we were going to have a real hard time making progress when we had to wait so long to, to mm-hmm. see any results. And I think that was... That was really the thing. And I hadn't seen them in such stark contrast, I think, before that point. And it was really when we started to kind of work with our work with various partners to make sure that we were showing value early and often as opposed to uh, as opposed to trying to build up this huge document to 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 kind of build towards. So when you talk about working with partners to help you do that, what how, how did that work? Well, you know, partners or stakeholders, these are our various groups that are, whether they were the IT folks at that point that we were working with or our own team members or more broadly, like, um, so for example, we were doing a lot in analytics. I mean, the idea was that we were building this analytics team and analytics function inside of EMC as opposed to farming it out to consulting companies where they would just ship a bunch of data over to people and they would, mm-hmm. they would come back with an answer. 
And so our our partners were these folk were internal. These are all internal uh, people that we were working with. So folks like sales, and eventually then with the marketing teams. So just to clarify, can you describe your job beyond what you just explained? Yeah, of course. I, basically, I lead a marketing analytics team at EMC, and as you know, and I suppose Frank, you may have talked about this once or twice. What EMC does, but basically, you know, they're looking to help enable businesses to be delivering technology as a service and or IT as a service. And what I do specifically, I, we we pull data from about 20 or so different systems. Marketing has a lot of systems, way more than any other part of the organization. I think that's fairly consistent from what I've seen in, in uh, some other talks that I've heard. But the thing that's interesting about a lot of those systems is far less mature. You know, Salesforce has been around for some time in the idea of Customer relationship management has been around longer than that. But our primary role is to be this trusted source for metrics that matter, and we help teams find the value in the data and make people believe in it and use it. And so we basically have this, we have a small data science team, and we kind of operate like a, a software development team. And our team in particular is a little bit more strictly agile as a result of, of that structure than necessarily some of the other teams in marketing with, that we work with. But that said, I think that as far as a behavior, EMC likes to talk about these nine behaviors that they like to drive in Agile is, is definitely one of them. And we hold our group in particular, we have daily stand-ups first thing in the morning. We have weekly sprint planning or sprint reviews each week. And we do quarterly planning, where, and that's where we look at our, our vision, our roadmap, our high-level goals, are and our capabilities and the work that we're going to do to to try to achieve those goals. That's interesting. That's the first time we've heard anyone use the word quarterly. <laughs> in as far as the an agile well, <laughs> method, it's, yeah. yeah, Roland's done a good job. We've talked with people in recent podcasts about Google's OKR framework and you know objectives and key measures that people do. So, and that's usually more like monthly, Roland, right? Well, the, the OKR framework is done also on a quarterly basis. Um, so it, it does match up in that regard. They also technically, at the beginning of the year, do an annual, but the emphasis is really on the quarterly resetting of OKRs and scoring of OKRs. And I guess that's good for a public company because that looks like quarterly earnings and quarterly reporting and quarterly goals that maybe all the sales teams and others in the organization are working off of. Yeah, I know we certainly like that structure. We have we call it MBO, managed by objective, and it it helps us to. Mm-hmm. I, I think it helps us to kind of just review and plan a little bit better, and and also be transparent about our plans. And MBOs are just cascaded down from the executive level, right? So they're all tied together through the hierarchy. Is that right? Uh, loosely, I mean, I we get guidance from from the senior level, but then within that, we are, you know, we're trying to follow. There's oftentimes the SMART uh, uh, acronym yeah. is used to describe, right? You've everybody's heard of that, and the, we use those kinds of principles to to put more precisely what we're going to be doing because we want to make sure that it has timing, it has has results uh, and measurements uh, around the the goals that we put in. So quarterly and then mm-hmm. weekly sprints? We have two week sprints, but we have weekly sprint meetings. So the and the uh, the one meeting will be so we just had today our sprint planning meeting for the next okay. two weeks and then we'll do a mid sprint review plus a 
uh, kind of a retrospective and uh, and then we'll we'll do also pre sprint planning with our scrum master. Oh, okay. And what's the makeup of the team? Do you have all of the members of the scrum team in your group or are you also relying on, you know, virtual members from another function? Uh, yeah, we're almost at least uh, a little over half virtual. We've got four down in Brazil, one in Canada and three on site. I daily stand-ups or yeah we do well we'll do that virtually you know so we'll we'll all dial into a conference call and uh, webex basically is our tool how of choice get, how do you get past well, the time zones or do you not it's it's okay because we do it early in the morning uh, right now brazil's only an hour okay. ahead although it's it's a little kind of it gets a little silly at times because they're they can be anywhere from one to four hours ahead depending so, so on what does the, a mid sprint look like that's inter- that's the first rule and we haven't heard that much right no, we haven't. Yeah, it'll be a, it, it'll be a check in to make sure that we're on track for the sprint, and also to and, and also to do some planning for the for the next sprint. Kind of like that. I, we do one month sprints, and I had my planning meeting an hour ago, so one month is a long horizon. But that midpoint might be an inter- you know we usually have internally kind of have that holy crap we're behind. <laughs> <laughs> we have all these tasks that we haven't, and usually because most of, most of it's just work in progress that just hasn't been completed. But uh, otherwise known as yes, that's what I was about to say. Me. But I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say holy something else, but uh, I, I'm trying to keep this PG rated. <laughs> well, the uh, the dailies hopefully keep us out of the holy holy crap moments, but they also you know, and I think that's that's one of the ones that the dailies are just so key for us because we are such a uh, geographically diverse group, it I think it really helps to energize the team and to keep everybody focused and that and really to get to do a lot of that uh, blocking and tackling that that some that get through those roadblocks that a lot of times can occur. So let's get back to to uncertainty for a second. You you know you talked about when you arrived that you were surprised by how much waterfall there was. Presumably that led to some miscalculations and to some pain. <laughs> and recognition that you know it is challenging to predict where things are going in advance and and you know the the rubber hits the road with waterfall when you miss so what role did that play in in transitioning your organization and how do you sort of grapple with uncertainty today is is agile making a meaningful difference for you in this regard yeah i i can say it's it's made a huge difference with the way that we get things done and I think one of the biggest places it makes it has made a difference is the relationship with IT. And because when we first, there was a lot of distrust between IT and the business when I, when I first joined, and and really just a um, exasperation. I think was was the term. I think you could you could hear from both sides. Uh, IT would feel that the business just had no idea or an understanding of what of what they did and what they would need to do to get things done. And the business would think that, well, we'll just do it ourselves because we can't wait for IT. And I think that that was, you know, in, so when, a lot of times by the time we actually started engaging with some of these teams, they were already exasperated. They already felt like they had asked for something ages ago and they, they never got it and, and just already sort of uh, <laughs> unsatisfied. And so it was. It was interesting engaging with them in in this new model. With the first team that we started working with was this technology refresh team. Where, you know, as you might imagine, what we're one of the things we want people to do is to buy newer stuff, right? And so technology refresh is that 
that sales initiative that focuses on that. And when we first engaged with them and we told them, hey, listen, we're going to we're just going to get back to you every two weeks and we'll have something new in, in those two weeks. And and here's approximately where we think we're going to get to in in a, in a month and, and two months from now. But, you know, here's the goal we're trying to drive here. Then the goal we were trying to drive at that time was was basically to create these this dashboard that would be refreshed frequently. And, and, and we were measuring ourselves by how frequently we could refresh that. So the first step was just actually get a baseline for where they were for, for at that point, which was we said was going to take them two weeks. Or it's two weeks. And so we started getting back to them and they were just, they were, it, it was really refreshing. And the level of trust that we had built because of getting back to them so quickly with something, not with something perfect, with something, with some results was, was really transformational. And we've seen that a lot of times with new teams. And I think most, the most challenging thing that we engage, that we encounter is, is the new team relationship, right? Where we haven't established trust with a new team yet. And, and that's just, just hugely important in the work that we do. How do you get past the macro level planning process? I guess, you know, you talked about quarterly goals. Do you have any old school interlock, you know, kind of confabs that go on or are you guys kind of more of a service group so you don't get pulled into those? No, we get pulled into those a lot. I mean, I'd say we've evolved over time. I mean, at first we were really working with maybe one or two teams. And as we've worked to and expanded that we're working with more teams, it's almost like we have these, I don't know if it'd be a team of teams that uh, is a good concept, I guess, to think uh, to think in terms of. But in, and in those cases, so we were working within our own team in an agile way, but then within those broader teams, where, for example, we're working with the campaigns team or we're working with the inbound marketing yeah. team or with the field and partner marketing teams. We're definitely embedded in those, although I tend to be in more of that kind of product owner role. I tend to get pulled into more of that to think through those the, the higher level planning and then you know bringing along my scrum master to kind of help chunk that up into work that we can do and into... Well, how agile are those other teams? Are they fairly agile? Are they more you know, field and some of the things like field and content and other teams can be somewhat waterfall in a global organization? Although, as I had mentioned before, one of those, that, that nine behaviors, agile is supposed to be one of them. Yeah. I think that, I think they, they think of themselves more in agile and how often they are adjusting their plans and mm-hmm. and maybe not in, as far as um, necessarily doing sprints. So I'm curious, um, you know, one of the hardest things that I see come up around uncertainty is when our the, the peer organizations that I work with are actually even more the leadership isn't as comfortable putting out something that's not fully formed. And, you know, it's, it's a mindset change, right? They, I think for people who are living and breathing agile, they understand that uncertainty is, they're testing uncertainty, right? They, they, they're putting something very small out there, testing and then taking feedback and iterating. But that does really require a mindset change from leadership. That's, that's, yeah. you know, there's a certain amount of discomfort with putting something out there that's not fully formed. So, are you seeing that in your peer organizations? And what about going up the leadership? Yeah, I think that, again, a couple of years back, I, there would have been a lot of resistance to that idea of something not being absolutely done that you could, 
you know, send to the IRS type of, of, of but I, it's, it was really interesting. I've heard very senior management at EMC in particular that have said, Hey, look, is somebody's life on the line here? No, let's, let's experiment, Let you know, let's make sure that we are, that we're trying things and not, uh, not getting hung up on precision or exactness. Uh, so I think there is there there is has been a cultural shift in that sense that there is more comfort with it, but that looks personalities still play into it, right? I think there are some personalities that just want to hit an endpoint where you say this is fully correct. Everyone in the world has blessed this, and it is exactly what we should be doing. Well, EMC, EMC um, has been known as a really touchy feely place, so. Um, for people who don't know EMC very well, I mean, EMC has been, was very successful because they had a reputation of a really, really hard charging driving culture and, you know, a sales team that take no prisoners and really extremely, extremely successful. And, but, um, still just a very goal oriented, driven results, driven place that some of the core tenants or core principles of agile maybe don't align quite as well. And that's again, this showing a a minimally viable product or, or sharing prototypes and things that are not fully baked with the idea that that iteration will help you make it better faster. When we set out roadmaps for, for folks around our a plan for a quarter. We we like to show, hey, listen, this is the first iteration of this thing that we're building. Whether it's a proto a, a dashboard or or some metrics or some research that we're doing, some analytics, and that that kind of helps to set expectations, but but not always. It, so it how was pervasive? Int- yeah, how pervasive are the changes that you're talking about in throughout the company? In the sense of how pervasive in other groups that that operate like. Like we do, or how? Yes. Pervasive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think analytics can be is a bit unique in the way that it can operate, in the sense that there are end products are are these results, as opposed to the end product of say an event is the event itself, and so it has a deadline, and from there you can build back. You, I think a lot of people will just take that deadline and walk back from there to, to think about what needs to get well, done. Well, yeah, and some of the programs in marketing, we've had this conversation in the past with some folks where some things will just never be agile. Maybe that's heretical for me to say here on our marketing, ag- marketing with agile podcast, but if you're doing a, a user conference that happens the same month every year and same general size and shape that maybe is the same even more so next year there's not a tremendous amount of benefit to using agile because it is fairly certain come back to our certainty versus uncertainty the projects where there's a lot of variability and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of learning that can come along the way of doing it there's a huge amount of benefit of using agile yeah and i'd say that there is i mean in a lot of the teams there's a lot of testing that goes on so although they may not have formal sprint plans they there is a lot more expect experimentation that's that's been happening for example with the social team and with um with media plans and uh with the inbound team i guess where i was trying to go with my question is you've talked a little bit about the way that your team is relatively comfortable with uncertainty right Mm -hmm. You, you that's kind of baked into the way that you work and you've also talked about a little bit of a mind shift that's happened at the leadership level where they're understanding the kind of work that you're doing and they're giving you presumably the wee way to invest more in the approach that you're taking because it's working. 
I think what I'm trying to understand is at the high level is the is the shift in leaderships so um, is it pervasive to the point where you actually see them driving this this openness to taking risk and and recognition of uncertainty as being a normal part of the business? Are you seeing them actually pushing that down to the organization? There are cases where there's more experimentation. I don't think that it's, with being such a large company and so much at stake, I think that uh, there's a limit to those risks. I guess the best way to see that at a high level is to just see some of the, some of the business risks that EMC has taken on in the last you know, 10 years, or you could go back further probably. But, you know, we were very much defined as a data storage company. So hardware, I mean, that was our, that was our thing. That was what we, that was what we sold. We sold big racks. And if, if five years ago, if you looked at, even if you looked at our mission or statement, our vision, that, that was where we were. And today, that's not what we talk about doing. That is not what we are. We are, you know, we talk about software-defined storage, and those, those making those investments to make us that type of company was that's a big risk. And I, I think that large companies oftentimes have have a difficult time taking on those risks. I do give the the senior management credit in my short time with EMC that they had all read Christensen and Abernathy and Utterbeck. They had all read the classic things that tell you that you need to destroy your current business to make your next business. And they were pretty vigorous about that. And and really, that's been their messaging. Going to an IT as a service story is a great story. Unfortunately, you guys are still, you know... 90% or whatever percent of the EMC revenue comes from hardware sales. So it's a great challenge, (laughs) but it's an opportunity to reinvent themselves. And I think it's great that I think that agile plays well into this idea that we're not just doing the same even more so. And I see that in other parts of the organization too. You know, we, as I said, met one of our partners is working very closely with the IT organization. They very much have adopted the, you know, first of all, IT as a service. I mean, we are, our IT department is it's very differently structured than than other companies. I mean, it is no longer a place where you just go get your laptop uh, serviced. It is a place that you can get you can cross charge them for a database or a VM or a mm-hmm. or some professional services. And so it's it's interesting, uh, it, you know, it, to see that. And I I've seen also us change our our marketing plans and organization quite quickly. And, you know, those, those changes don't, I don't think they're, they're not arbitrary, you know, although everything must change is uh, an easy fallback acronym uh, translation, but it's a, I think that there's, there's a reason behind those, those organizational changes and the shifts in our, in our strategy. You know, last year we were looking at, we had this consultative and transactional model. Consultative marketing was was to these very strategic accounts, high touch, and the transactional marketing was was geared towards those uh, to those uh, higher volume accounts or higher volume sales. And so we've shifted since then as a result of the uh, changes in the marketplace. So. I think there's some dynamism there. So I think it would be remiss if we we didn't ask you in the since we're talking about uncertainty, <laughs> and uh, you know obviously now now you're part of Dell. How do you see your future being impacted or potentially changing in terms of? Have you got a sense of 
the working methods that are going to be impacted by the the acquisition? <laughs> so I it hasn't closed yet, so we can't I can't I can only speculate on a on a few things and or even talk about it a, a few of those things yet. It, it should be you know it'll be closing soon. The deal was announced back in September, as you guys may know, is the the biggest tech deal in right. history. And yeah. so, but we, we already, there are certain things we can do. I, I'm engaged with the, with Dell counterparts in those places that we, that we are legally permitted to do so. And I, you know, I think I'm encouraged by what we, what I've seen so far. I think that we've got, you know, I think there are, there are strong teams on both sides. You know, Dell has been an, a pretty interesting company over the years, although, you know, challenged in its own ways, as, as we have been with, you know, they've been challenged with the, the decline in the in the PC business and, and shifting right. their model. So <laughs> how am I personally affected? It's it's a little, a little too early to tell. Not all of the not all of the structure is there for me to get that sort of. Well, I wish yet. you one thing that it's not a repeat of our joint experience at Novell. It was it's a little different. I, I can I can, I can I'll contrast it in a few ways. I mean, the Novell transaction was to a company that looked for for maturing businesses that that they were that they weren't necessarily interested right. in growing. In this case, there it's a it's it's very there's very little overlap in the um, in the businesses that. That we do, uh, Dell and EMC, and therefore, the uh, you know, and we're going to be running as what used to be fifteen billion dollars of business out of uh, in, uh, out of Hopkinton, Massachusetts, is now going to be a thirty billion dollar business running out of that office. So, uh, those things, those kinds awesome. of things, are encouraging. Well, Rob, unfortunately, we're bumping up against time. We try to keep this in the sort of twenty-five to thirty-minute range. Thanks for joining us today. I mean, maybe we can try to catch up with you at some point later in the year after the deal's done and, and the dust has settled and everything's... <laughs> that sounds great. I'd love to. But just a reminder to our listeners out there, you can find the Marketing Agility Podcast on iTunes. Also, if you have a story to tell about the way you and or your peers are using Agile in a marketing environment to improve your performance, or you're just trying to figure out how to make it all work, you have an interesting story of any kind, you can reach Roland at at rsmartly on, twi- on the Twitters, or you can reach me, myself, Mr. Tangy Slice, at Tangy Slice on Twitter. You can also find the Marketing Agility Podcast on agilemarketingblog.com. Well, thank you again, everyone, for joining us today, and please stay agile.